Bonjour and bienvenue to Lulabelle's Francophiles. This is the place to tune in to hear chats about all things French to keep our Francophile vibes happening when not able to be in France. Je m'appelle Lou and I'd like to welcome all the Francophiles listening in from around the globe to this podcast. In each episode, we share French experiences with guests who live both in Australia and France, as well as ideas for how to stay connected to the Francophile within you. Subscribe on your favourite podcast platform or follow Lulabelle's Francophiles on Insta to be notified as soon as new episodes are available. Just head to the lulabellesfrancophiles.com website and you will find a lovely way to stay connected to one of our fave destinations, France. Now today I have a special guest who my partner Paul and I met on a trip to France a few years ago in Châteauneuf-de-Pape in Provence. Romain Gouvenet is a certified sommelier and a local to the Provence wine region near Avignon and runs the fabulous wine tour company Provence and Wine. Bienvenue to Lulabelle's Francophiles, Romain. Ça va? Merci beaucoup. Ça va? Thank you. Nice to talk to you. Yes, it is. Now, Romain, where did your passion for wine start? So uh, I grew up uh, near uh, Châteauneuf-du-Pape. So I, I, uh, I always been uh, surrounded by, uh, by vineyards and uh, I can say that wine was uh, very present uh, in, in my family, everywhere around me. But I, I, I didn't really get the, the passion for wine until I finally uh, got away from the vineyards. When I, uh, when I moved to uh, Dublin in Ireland, uh, I was about 24, 25 years old. And then after I moved to, uh, to Paris. And finally, in uh, those two places, we don't uh, produce vines. We don't make wine. And that's where I probably started to really deeply miss it. And yeah. uh, until I, I finally decided to go back in my, uh, in my region, uh, in Provence. There's a big difference between liking a drop of wine with dinner and becoming an enologist or an expert of wine. How have you built your knowledge then to pass on to others? So um, when the, the passion was uh, getting bigger and bigger in my life, I was uh, working in Paris as a finance director in a, for a big non-profit organization. And my passion for wine was growing and I, I was really thinking making it my job. And I also wanted to be back in my original region, where I am from, in Provence. And I decided to go to, the, to a wine school, which is an international wine school called the Wine, Spirit and Education and Trust. And uh, there are different levels. I have passed uh, the level uh, one and two when I was still living in Paris. Then uh, I found a job in a winery in Le Luberon uh, in Provence. Mm. And then in, in 2016, I passed the level uh, three of the WSET. And, uh, you know, I uh, never uh, stopped uh, learning because I am still in a process of learning now. I'm uh, preparing uh, the diploma, which is a kind of uh, final, uh, final stage. And I'm going to have some exam coming very, very soon uh, in, uh, in January. So you'll be a grand master of wine by then? I will be able to, to um, take a chance to become a master of wine. So uh, wow. there are a few hundred uh, master of wine in the world. And uh, if I um, pass the level of uh, diploma, mm-hmm. I can sign up and get my chance to, to pass it. Fantastic. So do you have a background in viticulture growing up in that part of Provence? Uh, so the, the viticulture background is a uh, part of the WSET uh, courses. So um, when you start to learn about wine, viticulture is ki- the kind of the first step. If you want to understand wine, you need to understand the vines because 
you could not make any good wine if you don't get any good grapes. And the good grapes, you get it part because of a, a good viticulture. So viticulture is a, is a key point in the quality of the wine. And uh, I had to learn uh, quite a lot about it, but I still learn a lot about it. It's so complex. So does your experience extend to all wines, red, white, fortified wines? Uh, yes, I'm lucky enough to be from uh, the south of the Rhone Valley, where we produce a lot of wine and a lot of uh, diverse wine. And we do not only produce reds, but also a white, rosé and, and a fortified wine. So with all of that wine available, what is your favourite wine to drink yourself at the end of the day? Do you have differing favourites depending on what's on the menu for dinner? So the, the wine that I like to open, the, like, the wine that I like to uh, drink is very, very often linked with what I eat. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's, it's very cultural. In France, we very rarely drink wine outside um, food. So It's always with the meal. Al- almost always. It's funny because when, when I watch uh, American series or movie, it's very common to see people uh, enjoying a glass of wine after dinner just by uh, watching the TV or reading a book. That's definitely not something uh, common in France. Right. So I'm not saying people don't do that, but that's not common. In France, the, the wine is very much on the table, very much uh, consumed during uh, lunch or, or dinner. So when I make my choice for wine, it's always according and linked with the with the menu, actually. I love that. And also the people that I am <laughs> sharing the wine with. Yes, I, I really love that. I think that that's a good relationship to have, the link between the wine and the food. Now, Chateauneuf de Pup is famous around the world for wine lovers, but there would be many Australians who are still to experience what I would suggest are seductive powers of this beautiful region. Tell us a bit about the region that you live and work in around Chateauneuf de Pup. So Chateauneuf-du-Pape, it's a, it's a small town. There is uh, 2,000 people uh, living there. But we have more than uh, 3,000 hectares of vines. So there are more hectares of vines than uh, people. It's uh, 10 kilometers away from uh, Avignon. Avignon was very known in the past for being the um, Pope city because the Popes moved from the Vatican uh, to Avignon uh, during the, the 14th century. And Chateauneuf-du-Pape uh, quickly uh, became uh, the summer residence of the Pope. And one of those popes, Jean XXII, has uh, established uh, a vineyard uh, with the help uh, of uh, some uh, vines grower from the Cahors region. And uh, that was uh, the kind of the beginning. I say the kind of the beginning because it is established that in the south of the Rhone Valley, uh, the Romans were uh, growing vines already. So um, I would say the the wine here is uh, is uh, 2,000 years old, (laughs) approximately. But um, also there, there is a key uh, date, which is in 1936, because in 1936, um, in France, we set up what we call the AOC system, the Appellation d'Origine Control System. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would call the PDO, Protected Designated of Origin, which is uh, a way to classify the wine. So we, in France, we classify the wine based on the region. It's a geographical base. Yes. And this whole system was set up by a lawyer from Chateauneuf-du-Pape, and he spent his whole life defending the interests of the winemaker, but also the, the, the mm-hmm. brand Chateauneuf-du-Pape. Mm. Uh, and since 1936, uh, so Chateauneuf-du-Pape became the first AOC of France. And now we are uh, close to a 400 AOC in France, but Chateauneuf-du-Pape was the first one. 
We see the AOC written on bottles quite regularly, which distinguishes the various regions. So in France, the wines are distinguished by their region in which they're grown rather than the type of grape variety then as we would classify them in Australia. For example, I suppose in a restaurant in France, I could order a Bordeaux wine rather than a Cabernet Sauvignon or Shiraz. Is there much difference between the wines produced in those regions or is a Bordeaux always going to be easy to pick as a Bordeaux wine? We always consider the, the grape varietal being part of a, a, a global, a bigger system that we call the, the terroir. The notion of terroir is very important in France, so especially in the, in the wine. So we consider the terroir uh, being uh, the, the climate, uh, but also the, the soil, the, geograph- the geological profile. And it also includes a certain cultural part, the way that the winemaker used to do things in the region. So it's really a combination of the the humans, uh, the sky, the climate, and the soil. The terroir, this is what it is. And the grape varietal is part of the terroir. So if you go in Bordeaux, uh, they are known for a certain type of uh, soil, for a certain type of climate, which is oceanic. They make specific blend of grape. And if you go in the south of the Rhone Valley, we have a completely different climate completely geological profile. And for that reason, we don't grow the same uh, type of uh, grape. We don't grow the same grape varietal. And at the end, the profile of our wine are completely different. Now, it's interesting that you mentioned the weather. When we visited Chateauneuf-du-Pape, it was late autumn or fall, but it was unusually hot then. Some people were suggesting global warming was having an effect. So how do you think that changing climate has affected the wines in Provence? So the global warming is, uh, is a real concern in the, in the viticulture, in the, in, in the wine industry, uh, not only in Provence, but all over the world. Mm. So if I get more specific with Provence, uh, um, we have clearly noticed a big change the last decades uh, with uh, warmer temperature, with higher alcohol percentage It's uh, mm-hmm. as a result. So uh, warmer the temperatures are, more the level of sugar will be high. And higher will be the level of sugar, higher will be the level of alcohol. So one of the concerns will be the level of alcohol. And also there is a there is another big concern, which is about the drought. So in Provence, we have a Mediterranean climate with a hot and dry uh, summer. And the last decades, uh, the number of droughts has increased significantly. Mm. So that's a real concern. It means that uh, in the future, we will be probably in the obligation to irrigate more. So we are we are not allowed to irrigate wine in uh, in France, vines. We are not allowed to irrigate vine. In Chateauneuf du Pape, we used to get specific authorization almost every year. Uh, it's very strict. It's very limited, but they they allow the they allow the um, winemaker to uh, water the vines, not to increase the quality of the production of the year, but as a um, to combat the drought and to as a surviving thing to yes to let the vine survive but but this is going to be more and more important in the future probably uh, more frequent yes what do you think of blends in wines are you in favor of blending in france would you consider blending a bordeaux for example with a chateauneuf de pape which might be like blending a cabernet sauvignon with a grenache so, no, we, we would eventually blend a Grenache with a Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, we would not blend Bordeaux wine with Chateauneuf-du-Pape wine. It would not make uh, sense. No. Uh, because Bordeaux is the representation of a certain identity. 
as Chateauneuf du Pape is a representation of a certain identity. So we we will not mix those two identities. Well, I did think when I was using that as an example that I was perhaps speaking sacrilege uh, for a winemaker in uh, in France. <laughs> Now, my partner Paul and I did a wine tour starting in Chateauneuf du Pap with you. It was an intimate tour of about five or six people, I think, and it was just an extraordinary day where we visited vineyards or in French, vignobles and calves that have been in some cases in the same family for centuries. You took us behind the scenes and into places that the public would never normally get to go. And we also tasted wines that sent me and Paul into the stratosphere with one wine from before the Second World War. We had lunch at a gorgeous chateau, as I recall, with a beautiful view and had other beautiful chateaus to meander through. Is every day as wonderful as the day we were there? Tell us a bit about your tours. Yes, I honestly, I feel uh, very uh, grateful for doing this job. Uh, even more now after the COVID situation, because I have to say that uh, I really missed doing my job. I really missed welcoming uh, visitors coming from all over the world to discover Chateauneuf du Pape. And I, I really have the passion for sharing my knowledge and passion with people. I always compare wine with art, with paint. My point of view is everyone has a, has a palette. Everyone can enjoy wine. Everyone can say, I enjoy this wine. I don't enjoy this one. Uh, and it's the same for painting. Everyone can watch a paint and say, I like this paint. I don't like this paint. But when you give the keys of understanding, when you understand who is the artist behind the paint, when you understand everything, you give the you get the keys to get a much, much better understanding and you, you can go deeper. And I feel exactly the same in wine. So when you give the keys to people, when people can understand where the wine is from, in what environment the vines were grown, and who is the winemaker, what is the story, what's the story of the region, when you get to understand all of that, you really start to understand wine deeply. So I see my job like... um, I see myself like giving, trying to give the, the keys of understanding to, to my clients to get a, a better understanding. We always start with the morning with, uh, with an introduction in the vines because that's where things start. I like them to touch the, the river rocks, to touch the soil, to see the vines, to eventually mm-hmm. uh, pick and try some grapes. And uh, that's an important connection we do in the morning. And then after we spend more time in the cellar, in the vineyards, uh, talking about the um, the wine elaboration and and always uh, we always finish with wine tasting of course but it's important for me to to give uh, an idea of uh, of the whole process from the beginning from the vine to the tasting. I did love the way that we started the day. It was quite special. I recall one chateau that we went to that you told us had been taken over by the Nazis during the Second World War. Where was that? Ah, oh, yes. I think you uh, mentioned Chateau Lanert. Chateau Lanert is uh, one of the most uh, famous and prestigious uh, chateaux in, uh, in Chateauneuf-du-Pape. It was built in 1560. So oh, it's, it's uh, the, the oldest established winery in Chateauneuf-du-Pape. Uh, they own uh, 92 hectares, which makes it um, the second largest winery in Chateauneuf-du-Pape. They also uh, they were the first organic vineyards in Chateauneuf-du-Pape. They were, in the history, the first uh, chateau to export wine in America. Oh, wow. And for the region, they were the first to um, sell wine in bottle. Before that, it was uh, sold in, uh, in barrels. How extraordinary. 
you clearly are very passionate about what you do and that is quite contagious. So we really enjoyed our time with you when we were over there, but it's also been just marvellous to chat with you today. Merci for sharing all of that with us, Roman. It's been a wonderful momentary transportation back to the sunny and serene countryside of Provence with its endless lavender fields and grapes. I'll place the links to your tours and other things that we've chatted about in the blog post on lulabellesfrancophiles.com. Now, I happen to mention to you, Roman, that in each episode I share some French music and straight away you suggested one of your faves, which is also one of mine. Georges Brassen is, as Roman describes him, the French Bob Dylan. And this song that we're about to hear is like poetry. It's called Heureux qui commulisse. And it talks about an early summer morning when the sun sings to your heart, when there is a beautiful feeling of freedom, when a friend brings happiness, when the sun, the wind, the rain and the good weather bring happiness in Provence. So merci for sharing this song with us, Roman. It has been just marvellous to chat to you today. Thank you very much. It was really a, a pleasure to talk to you. It's, it's always a, a, a pleasure to, uh, to keep in touch with my clients. Yes, and as soon as we can be back, we will come and share a glass with you in Chateauneuf de Pape. I hope so. <laughs> oui. Au revoir. Yes. Au revoir. Uh, here is Georges Brassem with Heureux qui communulisse. Heureux qui communulisse a fait un beau voyage. Heureux qui comme Ulysse a vu son paysage Et puis a retrouvé après maintes traversées Le pays des vertes années Par un petit matin d'été Quand le soleil vous chante au cœur Quelle est belle la liberté, la liberté Quand on est mieux ici qu'ailleurs Quand un ami fait le bonheur Quelle est belle la liberté, la liberté Avec le soleil et le vent, avec la pluie et le beau temps On vivait bien content, mon cheval, ma Provence et moi Mon cheval, ma Provence et moi Heureux qui comme Ulysse a fait un beau voyage Heureux qui comme Ulysse a vu son paysage Et puis a retrouvé après maintes traversées Le pays des vertes années Par un joli matin d'été quand le soleil vous chante au cœur Quelle est belle la liberté, la liberté Quand ça n'est fini des malheurs, quand un ami sèche vos pleurs, quelle est belle la liberté, la liberté. Battu de soleil et de vent, perdu au milieu des étangs, on vivra bien content, mon cheval, ma camargue et moi. Mon cheval, ma camargue et moi That was Georges Brassen with Heureux qui commulisse. 
Earlier in my chat with Roman, I mentioned that Paul and I enjoyed an amazing déjeuner at a chateau in the middle of the wine tour day in Chateauneuf-du-Pape in Provence. The chateau was called Chateau de Fin-Roche and had stunning views of the valley stretched out in front of us. If you follow Ludabelle's Francophiles on Instagram, I will place some photos on there to see for yourself. The lunch was three courses and had some beautiful dishes, one of which was foie gras. Now, this is something that is not usually available outside of France, with some countries or regions outlawing the practice of breeding geese for the purpose of making foie gras. So for Francophiles living anywhere else in the world today, I'm going to share a recipe which is similar but clearly different. My lovely Aunt Margaret made this recipe for many family occasions as I grew up and she has shared her secret with me that her wonderful chicken liver pate recipe is from the just as wonderful and also iconic Australian Women's Weekly Cookbook. There is one recipe in the cookbook online for a chicken liver pate with port, dry sherry and brandy as well as bacon and thyme and another one with just the port and brandy together and dry tarragon. Both look like something I could tackle and whilst my Paul is a whiz in the kitchen and once upon a time I was the same, these days I prefer something more straightforward. These brilliant women's weekly recipes are tried and tested, of course, by both my Auntie Margaret as well as cooks across Australia. So anywhere you are in the world, jump onto the Little Bells Francophiles website at littlebellsfrancophiles.com to find the links. They are perfect for making a statement at a family Christmas or any other occasion, whether winter or summer, northern or southern hemisphere. Et maintenant, c'est tout, et la fini aujourd'hui. That is all. Now for another episode of Little Bell's Francophiles. Every episode, I enjoy chatting and daydreaming about France so much, but today, I also learnt more about French wine, and I hope you have too. It will come in very helpful on my next sojourn to France. As always, I look forward to your Frenchy ideas you'd like to hear about. So leave feedback on the lulabellsfrancophiles.com website and then together we can take a shared French journey. Follow on Instagram too for the daily posts and we will become immersed in a variety of experiences de Francais and keep our Frenchy vibes happening. Au revoir et à bientôt.